Welcome, Bird Gang. We've got good news on today's show. If you haven't heard by now, someone returned to practice. There was a number 11 sighting. Mike Jarecki was at practice and will give us a full report. Now that Larry Fitzgerald is back, what does that mean for the team and for this offense? Plus, we begin to look at the Giants, specifically their defense, which has been very, very good in recent weeks. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 367, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So full disclosure here, Bird Gang, because of what we're in and what we're dealing with right now in 2020, the NFL has different protocols, not only on game day, but during the week of practice. And they are limiting the number of people that can attend the open portion of practice, not just the Cardinals, but every team. So in typical years, there would be what, MJ, what, 15 people at most, maybe 18, 19, and obviously azcardinals.com well represented. This year, though, that's a little bit different. We're all social distancing. We're all working from home, so to speak. So they are limiting the number of media members that can attend practice. And that has been going on for about a week, week and a half. So I was not, what I'm getting to is I was not at today's practice. And it was a very big deal at practice today because Larry Fitzgerald is back. So in a roundabout way, as I digress here, MJ, We are asking you to paint the picture, since you were at practice, firsthand knowledge of what number 11 looked like and what he did. All right. Normally on a Wednesday, that's the first day where the official injury report comes out. Normally it comes out in the afternoon. So you do have a heavy load in previous years uh, when it comes to the Wednesday practice. Uh, Normally Larry is limited on Wednesdays because – from being in the league so long, but he did practice today. And that was good news. And we got a chance to listen to a couple of Cardinal players earlier. And the word they use just brings a calming presence to not only on the field, but also in the locker room. And both Dan Arnold and Kyler Murray said they're definitely excited about Fitz being back. He looked like he had his energy. Now, to me, it's a plug and play. Uh, Hopefully we get a chance to talk to him possibly tomorrow, normally his day. And, you know, he was quarantined. Um, he's got a nice house in Paradise Valley. So I assume he has a, uh, a gym in there where he could have worked out. Uh, there's different things of being in football shape, but he's mentally uh, ready to go. And I, I spoke to him, exchanged messages, and he couldn't be thrilled to be back. Uh, he definitely missed the last couple of weeks. He said it was hard to watch the games on game day. Um, but I do think having him on the field will – Things can calm down, and Larry's a voice of reason. He's not a rah-rah guy. You're going to have to approach him, but if he sees things uh, that maybe aren't going the right way, he will make a comment, and that's part of being a captain, and it goes along with those other guys in the locker room. Yeah, there's no question, Larry Fitzgerald, his presence alone in the locker room and then obviously on the field. The question is just how much do we see Fitz on the field this week? And this is early in the week. We're talking on a Wednesday. Still got a couple of days until game day on Sunday. But it needs to be asked because, as you mentioned it, he's been away from the team since Thanksgiving. 
That's 13 days ago. So just how much can we expect out of Larry Fitzgerald on the offensive side? Well, if, if the team can average 65 to 70 snaps, I would think he's going to be there between 45 and 50. You know, obviously DeAndre Hopkins plays the majority of the snaps unless, you know, he's on a long uh, pass play and he wants to get a breather or he just wants to take a, you know, check himself out. And usually Sherfield comes in there and then they got to get more out of Christian Kirk. I mean, he's not been targeted a ton and he was on a nice little streak there. So I think, you know, there's enough uh, reps to go around. Um, you know, who's not going to benefit? Probably Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, Trent Sherfield will be active because we know he plays on special teams. So if they want to go with that four wide, uh, maybe they will dress five receivers. Now, I will say this, during the open portion of practice, as I was leaving, um, you know, when, when they start to break down, they were working on their depth on routes. And they had a couple of towels on the field where they wanted guys to run the certain route to where you need to be. And I think that's because of lack of spacing over the last couple of games. So we know 1% of what's going on there. Um, and the coaches see it on film and they're working on it. So I thought there was energy in practice and I've never questioned. Um, I think Kyler Murray takes practice seriously. Um, he knows that's how you get better. A lot of times how you practice is how you're going to play. And Boodle Baker will tell you if you do the right stuff during the week, the game comes easy and it comes more to you versus you thinking, I didn't study that during the week and I'm caught off guard and I wasn't in position to make plays. That's good knowledge on your part as far as what you saw at practice because you've been on this for a couple of weeks now when you watch the game and just seeing too many wide receivers in the same area, whether it's two or three, miscommunication, yeah, it's going to happen. But here we are, week 14, and these miscommunications, these quote-unquote my bads, have got to stop, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, you're working on it now, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's got to translate onto the field on Sunday. Yeah, but to me, it's more – it wasn't like they were having these guys run routes. And, and obviously, when you're throwing the ball against there, you, your defensive players are working on stuff on a different field. So you have to put these towels out there, and, and they're white towels, so you have to know where your depth is and where you need to get to because we know that the routes are based on the coverage. And sometimes the coverage changes. Uh, Pre-snap, it looks one way. Post-snap, it looks a different way. And so you got to have some depth on your routes, and you got to have some spacing, and that will open things up for Kyler Murray. Now let's catch everyone up on what happened over the last 24 hours. Larry Fitzgerald officially activated from the reserve COVID-19 list. He has missed the past two games after reportedly testing positive. As you mentioned, he typically speaks on Thursdays, and I would guess that would be the case tomorrow. We don't know. And the only reason I bring up snap count is just because of what we have seen from previous Cardinal players when they come off that reserve COVID-19 list. Two players in particular, Devon Kennard. We talked yesterday during Cardinals Cover 2 about the limited number of snaps Kennard has played. 11, 19, and 11 in the three games since his return. He said he's healthy. He said he had no symptoms. Yet, is it game plan or is he quite not in game shape to be ready to play the typical 30, 40, 50 snaps. The other one is Byron Murphy, who you noted on yesterday's show as well. His first game back played 66 snaps, but has played a total of 59 the past two games. Again, is that game plan or are the coaches seeing something in practice? You know what? You're not quite there yet. 
Now, Fitz, what is this, the 35th year of his career? He has earned that right to where he can sit there and show up without practicing the entire week. We talked about it with the DeAndre Hopkins. But there is something to be said about being in shape and then being in game shape. I think you got to take a look at it, each individual. Um, I think if you're the Cardinals and you go three wide, I got to assume it's going to be Fitz, it's going to be Hopkins, and it's going to be Kirk. And then if they want to go 11 or 12 personnel, then then possibly only two wide receivers. And that could be Kirk and Hopkins. And then you roll with the two tight ends and Dan Arlo and Max Williams. Um, I think some of Canard's situation is uh, lack of production when he's been in there. I, I thought he got out to a good start, and I think it's a coaching decision. Uh, Byron Murphy, uh, they were really excited about Jonathan Joseph. He didn't play as many staffs as I thought. Um, you know, Isaiah Simmons is getting a chance to cover a little bit more. Um, but I do anticipate some of those numbers can come back to form more for Murphy and I think Fitz is still going to give a similar role. Again, uh, I think you bring valid points up just because you haven't been able to practice. You can, you can go, you can be on a treadmill, but football is about, you know, three or four seconds. You run as fast as you can stop, keep going. And if you want a 10 play drive, it's going to affect them. But I, I think each player is a little bit different, but it's a good example you brought up because both of those guys are not playing as much as they were uh, before COVID. Even with missing two games, Fitz is the third most targeted wide receiver on the Cardinals. Obviously, Hopkins with 116. That's third most in the NFL, by the way. And then Christian Kirk at 61. He missed one game earlier this season. And Fitz at 57. Everyone wants to see number 11 involved. I think he has been involved. But what will happen now with him back and this three-game losing streak, and yeah, one of those games, he was active and he was a participant, but now as we've talked all week and for two weeks now about this offense trying to get back into some kind of a rhythm, some kind of a flow, I would think that you would want to target not only Hopkins early in drives, but Larry Fitzgerald as well, because as we've discussed, the rest of the team kind of feeds off of Fitz's energy, and that was missing the past two weeks. And, and you can sense that today, just watching practice for the open portion for 20 minutes and then just based on some of our Zoom calls. You know, the, the thing about Larry is he hasn't gotten separation over the last couple of years, meaning, you know, the 50-50 balls. And quite frankly, you know, there were, I think it was last year, maybe in the first couple of games, he had targets or catches over 40 yards. Some of that was yards after catch. But he's crafty enough to find the sticks and that's one thing that Cardinals receivers are doing also on these third and long plays. They're, they're not the, if the defense knows you're not going to throw past the six, they can jump the ball and make the tackle a little bit earlier in the play. So these Cardinals receivers got to do a better job of finding the sticks and coming back to the ball. But Larry's crafty enough to where he can find the sticks. And, you know, nine times out of 10, he's going to catch the football. And that's been an issue for some of these other guys in Christian Kirk and, Andy Isabella, a little bit more inconsistent, and I thought he would be at this point in the season. So I'm just, you know, Larry's not the savior, though, but he brings a calming voice and leadership that you can't you can't buy. And it's it's really about a respect and a future Hall of Famer, you know, stuff like that. And guys see the way he goes about his business, and I, I think they'll take cue. By the way, did you happen to see what longtime Cardinals fan Blake Shelton had to say about Larry Fitzgerald's return? He went to Twitter and 
tweeted the following. I just read that Larry Fitzgerald has been activated for this Sunday's game. I haven't been this happy since I had my first bacon and mayonnaise sandwich. Let's go Cardinals just in time. End of tweet. I can't say I'm too familiar with a bacon and mayonnaise sandwich, but apparently it's a big deal for Blake Shelton. So if you want to compare Fitz's return to a bacon and mayonnaise sandwich, I guess they're equals. <laughs> yeah, he's a huge Cardinal fan, and uh, he kind of lives and dies every, every Sunday. I mean, that, you know, here's a guy that's very successful. He's on a, he's on a very popular show. Um, so he's living a good life, but his, and he's a Texas guy, you know, so he's got a lot of, uh, you know, when I say that more Oklahoma and his, his blood. So he, he says, he told Steve Kahneman, if you don't draft them, we're never talking again, paraphrasing. So, uh, I, I think he, Steve Kahneman, Michael Bidwell made that, that decision, but he, he live and dies what happens with the Cardinals on, on Sunday. So do appreciate his passion and all that. I don't even know if Larry Fitzgerald's ever had a bacon and mayonnaise sandwich. I mean, what's wrong with peanut butter and jelly or, you know, a BLT where you add some little uh, tomatoes in there and, you know, there's nothing wrong with a ham and cheese sandwich. Maybe, maybe he was having a bloody Mary this morning. Well, we have way gotten off the rails here (laughs) on this Wednesday edition of Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. By the way, next time you speak or exchange text messages with Fitz MJ, Uh, Be sure to ask that question and we'll uh, update the bird gang here on Cardinals cover two. By the way, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Now I got a chance to watch the D line and uh, I I know you're going to get into possibly some of the roster moves, but uh, Jordan Phillips has been activated. Now the Cardinals got to make a decision in the next 21 days he was in full gear. Uh, he was practicing. He was hitting the bag. And he just brings a presence to that D-line. I mean, he's huge. And so, you know, whether it's this week or next week, but you definitely need him down the stretch. And you got to hope some of these young guys start to pan out. You know, it's early, and but we're after, we're after our Hallow- our Thanksgiving or Halloween. And, you know, I read a quote earlier from Antoine Winfield Jr., and he, he asked him about hitting the wall. He said, I don't hit the wall even though those kids only play 10 or 11 college games in college. So yeah, it's hopefully Phillips sooner rather than later, but it was big because that was one of their price free agents, giving them a five-year contract versus Campbell, you know, a a one-year deal and Kennard, maybe a two or three year deal. So they made a commitment to him and hopefully gets up back on the practice, not only on the practice field, hopefully he could be active on game day at some point. Yeah, we have not seen Phillips since week nine. Hurt his hamstring against the Dolphins. Missed four games on IR. And this season, eight games played, two sacks, though none since week three. And I know you talk about a big free agent ticket. They're expecting a lot more from Phillips. So hopefully with him beginning to practice and if he's eligible, I wouldn't say eligible, he's eligible to play this week. If he's ready to play this week, you get some production out of him. And now if you look at that D-line, MJ, seven on the active roster as far as available to Vance Joseph and Brenton Buckner, the only defensive lineman that remains on injured reserve who hasn't been ruled out for the season, meaning Corey Peters, is Josh Morrow, himself dealing with a hamstring injury. So from about, what, three to four D-linemen on a Sunday to now where you've almost doubled that total and guys will be active and inactive, maybe because of health, but also because of production more than anything else. 
And maybe Vance can can play more of his base defense where you have three legitimate linemen. I know that if you want to put pressure on the quarterback, they usually have two guys with their hand in the dirt and they go to their sub packages and all those Isaiah Simmons get on the field and some other defensive backs. But maybe you can play more straight up, you know, play your three, four, have your edge rushers on the outside. So it looks like a five man front. And then you figure out what you're going to do with your inside linebackers. So, you know, I know it's based on down and distance. I know it's based on the opponents and what their strengths and weaknesses are. But maybe they can go back to just playing that defense where it really is winning one-on-one matchups, you know, pushing the offensive line back. And, you know, and, the, and that's where the linebackers can shoot the gaps. And that's where you get tackle for losses and possibly help out in the run defense. On Wednesdays, we hear from the quarterback, and that would be Kyler Murray. And on Wednesday, we did hear from the Cardinals' second-year quarterback, and a lot has been made about this offense. Heck, we talked about it on Monday. We talked about it again on Tuesday. We'll continue to talk about it, MJ, until it gets fixed, until they give us something else to discuss. We've discussed Murray's inability to run the ball, and that has affected the offense. We have talked about this team's lack of success on third down, which is predicated on what you do first and second down, and that has affected negatively the offense. Kyler Murray, though, asked about where things are and as far as the pressure of this three-game losing streak, I thought had an interesting response. Quote, we're not far off. We're making it harder on ourselves. And then he added, each game is crucial. We know that. Everyone knows that. It's a 1-0 mentality and we got to win it. Dan Arnold said something similar with respects to the offense as far as not being far off. He mentioned that it's not like our schemes aren't working. It just comes down to being there for one another. And it's something we discussed late last week. Does things need to be overhauled, or do they just need to be done better? Is it execution? And it certainly sounds like, for Murray and Arnold, that the lack of success on this offense is nothing that is coming from the sidelines. It's all happening on the football field. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the, they both make valid points. The, the thing is, though, when you, when you look at it from, you know, Kyler Murray and Dan Arnold's standpoint is, uh, Craig, as, as I pointed out, and I don't mean to be redundant, but for everyone listening, you're in December, you got four games to go. You can't not scratch your offense. What you got to do is you got to make adjustments and you make tweaks, okay? What you see is what you're going to get. There's there's nobody walking through that door is going to be a savior, okay? Um, and you need all 11 guys. And people don't like to hear about execution. Play calling to me equals execution. So uh, I think Cliff's got to do a better job on first downs. We're seeing, you know, a lot of screen passes, um, to me, you, you got to get positive yards and maybe he thinks he can get three or four and some of those uh, jet sweeps and those bubble screens could be ex- considered extended run plays. So they got to get more depth on their routes and they got to get more spacing as we talked about earlier, but teams are throwing the ball more on first and second down. And for the teams that are being successful, they're in third and three, third and four, which is manageable. You get in third and nine and more, it becomes a passing down. And then sometimes depending on the score and the opponent, you end up playing for field position. Can we pin them deep and get the ball back at midfield? So there's a lot of factors, but you're not changing your scheme. That that stuff happens in the offseason. And there's a lot of negativity out there. And I get it. People are disappointed because they got off to a good start. But again, let's go back to expectations. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, they're not, they haven't even finished their second year yet. So 
Uh, I watched Lamar Jackson last night. I think he was 10 for 17. He threw a dime to, to Boykin in the end zone. He ran the ball. They have a really three-headed monster. Some games, your Kyler Murray's not going to throw for 400 yards. There's some games going to run for 80. So there's going to be uh, pluses and minuses. You're going to have to live with it for now, and hopefully it gets better in the future. But the fact is the passing game has to get better for this team to get back to scoring points. I'm not worried about 400 yards. I'm worried about them winning at the line of scrimmage, getting the running game going, including Murray. But, you know, they got to get better in the passing game. I was encouraged with Dan Arnold last week. Only played nine snaps, a couple touchdowns. Um, but that's got to get better on first and second down in order to get short uh, and manageable downs on third down. Well, let's discuss the passing game because if teams are going to take away Kyler Murray's ability to run with the football, and we've seen a lot of five-man fronts defensively, so Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds have been bottled up. All right, well, if you can't run the ball, you have to be able to pass the football. And we know Murray can make all the throws. He's got a strong arm. That ball comes out of his hand, unlike any other ball that I've seen as far as a tight spiral. But we just haven't seen it enough yet this season. It hasn't been consistent enough. In fact, if you look at some of the numbers and the metrics, Kyler Murray is about an average to about below average quarterback when it comes to passing the football. Overall, the passing game ranks 19th as far as yards per game, 20th in passing yards per play at 6.7. But it's Kyler Murray's inability to connect with his receivers in stride. Not a lot of yards after catch. So once that wide receiver has a hold of the football, he's getting tackled immediately. So you need to get these guys out in space coming across the middle or downfield to where they can catch it and then run with it so you're not having just five-yard completion because that's where the wide receiver stopped, caught it at the five-yard line, and was tackled right there. You need to see a little bit more from Kyler Murray leading his receivers and then the wide receivers doing something with the football once they get a hold of it. Yeah, and we knew it was just a matter of time when defenses were going to start tackling better, you know, because you really didn't – you can't simulate that in practice. You only can do it in certain uh, padded practices, uh, basically in training camp and no preseason games. So tackling has been a lot better. Um, but we talked about, you know, Jared Goff. They had 253 yards, yards after catch. His average depth pass, line of scrimmage, 3.5. So – and teams are tackling better. And the Cardinals are not getting separation. And they're not getting yards after catch. And that's a big part of the air raid offense creating matchups to where you, you you play in space. And that's why you have a speed guy like Andy Isabella out there. So the third down passing right now, Craig, it wasn't an issue in the first part of the season, um, but it has really hasn't looked as good as it was early on. Murray currently is 28th in EPA per play on third down. That's a 26th uh, success rate. So third down passing because of third and eight, third and nine, third and 11, third and 12, Teams are teeing off, trying to keep them in the box, at least during the losing streak. So third down passing, you got to get in manageable downs. You can't shoot yourself in the foot on pre-snap penalties um, or, you know, delay a game or, you know, just pre and post-snap penalties. So third down passing, get in more manageable, and that could be fixed in a heartbeat. Well, you look at the ebb and flow of a season with respects to what we're seeing from this Cardinals offense and – Justin Pugh 
brought that up with respects to how the offensive line has been playing because the passing game is a reflection perhaps of how well or not well the offensive line is playing. And Pugh, to his credit, said the offensive line has not played well enough the past three games, but that's the nature of the NFL. The ebbs and flows, things happen. And then he brought up the fact that, you know, the media was so high on the offensive line early in the season, and now maybe the rest of the league has caught up to them, or it's just that natural progression as the season goes on, everything seems to balance itself out and there becomes more of a level playing field. Does Kyler Murray have the time to complete these passes on third down? Does he have the time to allow the wide receivers to run their routes? And that becomes, all right, is the offensive line doing its job or is Kyler Murray rushing and not allowing the wide receivers? He's hitting them too soon with the balls. So that's one of those things that only the coaches, when you look at the film, can figure out. But it is worth asking because when something's not right, you're searching for something. And right now we're searching for something. Yeah. You know, and usually, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, during the open portion, they have a, a couple of drills and Cliff's on them. Cliff is on him. Get rid of the ball. It, and, and I think, you know, people are going to say, well, they scored 21 points in the, in the second half. Well, Kyler was holding on to the ball a little bit too long in the first half. So, the, you know, adjustments, that's great. But getting rid of the ball went a long way for this team to move down the field and score 21 points against that Rams defense, which ranked top, top five in every single category. And that's why, you know, they had the record they have. And we'll see what happens on Thursday night. But, yeah, I mean, and I know a lot of people are making a lot of big deal about, you know, some, some uh, next-gen stats and where Hopkins lines up. My point all along is I understand in the air raid, the X receiver, his job is to line up on the left or right side. My, my point over the last couple of weeks is I want to see them move him around a little bit more. I want to see a slant pass, and I want to see some crossing routes. And that's where yards, uh, yards after catch come. We can say run after catch. So that's, you know, rack, run after catch versus yards after catch. And so here's, here's something I read from um, the USA Today uh, writer, Steve Ruiz. Air raid guys keep, like to keep wide receivers on the, on the one side so they can go faster in, in theory and it double up your stud if things open up for others. But there is such a drop-off from Hopkins to other Arizona wide receivers. He says Cliff needs to do a much better job of moving around. I asked Cliff about it earlier in the week, and he said, uh, we're basically paraphrasing that, because I said I did notice him in the slot, and he said we're always going to work, find ways to move him or find ways to get him the football. So I don't know if it's going to happen, but, you know, you look at Julio Jones, that, that chart will be the similar to DeAndre Hopkins. You look at a guy like Michael Thomas and that offense, they move around a little bit more. You know, Tyreek Hill, they move them around. So each team is different. And nobody was complaining in the first half of the season that he was lining up on the, on the same side every week. Um, give defenses credit. But also, this is a part about football. It's adjustments. And, again, just tweak a little things. Um, I'm not panicking at all because I, I know um, they have enough talent. Now, talent doesn't win on game day. Execution wins on game day. Well, when you don't huddle up, and you're doing this up-tempo, typically you kind of stay where you're supposed to be lined up. That's why you see Hopkins either close to the huddle or just staying out to the left side. So that is why he's 
typically lining up on the left side so often. But as far as moving him around, how about just move him around once the ball is snapped? Bring him inside. Don't just let him go five yards and look for the football. Have him run a deep route, which we've seen this season. His average yards after catch ranks 85th in the NFL. Four and a half yards after he gets the football. That is not good when you have a weapon as dynamic as a DeAndre Hopkins. It also comes back to Kyler Murray. His average yards after catch as far as throwing the football to receivers ranks 25th, four and a half yards per completion. Get these guys moving. Don't run a route and stop. And if you get that scramble drill or you're rolling Murray to the left or to the right, and some of this will come with experience because yep. guys are still learning how to play with Kyler Murray in year two. Where does he like the football? Uh, where does he like me to be when he's running and the play breaks down? All of this is a process, yet we're having this discussion in the midst of a one-in-four stretch, and fans don't want to hear it. They just want to see results. Right. Let me just uh, finish this part here from Steve Ruiz, USA Today. Hopkins has rarely strayed from his spot on the outside to the slot, which makes it far easier for defense to defend him, mostly because they know exactly where he's going to be and don't have to adjust the structure of the defense or coverage to account for different alignments. That makes total sense. Yes. So, again, um, we'll see how much they move him around. Again, last week was the first time um, that I saw him put, he was in the slot. And, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm more of a fan of the wide receiver core, slant passing, crossing routes. And that will help you when you talk about yards after catch or run after catch. And a, a five to 10 yard catch becomes an 18 yard pickup where you didn't have to throw the ball 18 yards to get the catch. Yeah, and that is something that has not been happening recently for the Cardinals. By the way, one other notes on Kyler Murray with respects to his running and maybe that shoulder is why we haven't seen him take off on so many design runs. He said, quote, my shoulder is fine. So that's not an issue, should not be an issue. So defenses are taking the ball out of his hands, which he has said repeatedly. And if that's the case, then that's okay as the quarterback they can't take away everything, so you need to figure out what you can get away with. Now, the question is this week, what can you get away with against this Giants defense, which is very strong against the run and about average when it comes to defending the pass? That's overall this season, MJ. But this Giants team, during what has become a great turnaround and a great story, they are 5-2 and two over their last seven games, and it's because of their defense allowing less than 19 points per game, but getting after quarterbacks. And example A, and it's a capital A, is what the Giants did last Sunday to Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Sacked him five times, hit him an additional 10 times. Wilson admitted to being confused because of what the Giants defensively were doing. And that's a credit to their defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. So you wonder... This blueprint, as far as throwing different defenses at a Kyler Murray or a mobile quarterback, what do the Giants have in store for Murray? Because if Wilson was confused and surprised, you can only imagine what a young quarterback in year two, about ready to play his 30th game in the NFL, might experience. Yeah, I, I think he's going to go down the Belichick tree, Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, 
you know, you, you, you look at, uh, and Bill Belichick, obviously, you know, which I'm glad you brought up their points allowed. They're ninth overall, only 22.1. Cardinals are currently 14th at about 25. Now, again, when I look at this team, they don't score a lot of points, okay? Uh, just And I made this comment last week that I was surprised when I saw the Cardinals had more touchdowns than the Rams. Touchdown scored for the Cardinals, 41, tied for fifth. Giants, 22, 31st. Okay, now rushing and passing, Cardinals are much better, but they keep it close to the vest. They don't beat themselves. So this could be a, a 12, 17-14 to 14 game. It was 17-12 last week. Um, but we know this offense has to score over, you say 30, but 20 to 20, 20 to 25, 28 um, to me. But I, I really like their front four. And I think that them and the Washington football team are building something. And that's the NFC East. They're building a really good, good front seven. It's his first year in the system. He's changed the culture. He was hard on the guys, but now they're buying in. And so the, this is not going to be a walk in the park. And they got some momentum right now. They started off one and seven. And, you know, people were wondering, you know, how high of a pick would they have? They got to find out in their quarterback situation is, is, is he the future. Um, but give them credit. Cardinals loved Andrew Thomas. He was one of the highest rated players last week. And then Cam Irving on the right side, he was highly rated. They had over a, a 100% uh, rate when it came to pressure on the quarterback. And so they weren't able to get to the pressure on the quarterback. And so this team, they don't beat themselves. Um, they may not have household names, but they got two really good corners in James Bradbury and Logan Ryan. The Cardinals had interest in Ryan when Alfred went down. He won $12 million a year, and that was a little steep for everyone out there. And finally, um, you know, he, he decided to sign up and go to the Giants. So, um, And they got some linebackers, you know, between Julius Peppers – I'm sorry, <laughs> Javel Peppers. And you look at some of their other guys – uh, the safety. So they're, they're, they're like an impromptu defense. I mean, they're fast, but they're also physical. Very physical, specifically defensive end Leonard Williams, who has eight and a half sacks, a career high, fourth most in the NFL, also has 24 quarterback hits. So if you're DJ Humphreys or if you're Kelvin Beach and pay attention to where Leonard Williams is lining up, big number 99 on that defensive line, and then James Bradbury, 16 passes defensed, tied for the most in the league. Money well spent if you're the Giants who forked over $45 million over three years. So this defense is getting hot at the right time in the month of December, late November when this four-game winning streak started. So if you're Kyler Murray and you're looking at this defense, not a household name defense like it was against the Rams, but a defense that will come after you. And as we saw against the Seahawks, they will form a spider web, as Williams pointed out post-game, to keep the quarterback contained. And in Williams' words, with respect to Russell Wilson, just not letting him out of the pocket, not letting him run around freely, doing what he wants, end quote. You can make the same argument or the same case for Kyler Murray. And you can make the same game plan, even yes. though he's a little bit quicker or he's faster. Blake Martinez, he's very similar to Jordan Hicks. You know, he, he's a tackling machine. He ranks third with 111 tackles, his fourth straight season with over 100 tackles. He had 10 tackles in his only game against the Cardinals when he was with the Packers in 2018. 
He has nine plus tackles of four of his five home games this year. Leonard Williams, that was a career high two and a half sacks last week. He has four of five sacks this season, career high 8.5 sacks this season, aims for third in a row at a sack. So Leonard Williams was a guy that, you know, he was out there for possible trade. Um, a lot of teams are concerned that the, you're going to have to put the franchise tag on him. The Giants made a decision, and he's really panned out well. It's amazing what they have done, and a lot of credit to head coach Joe Judge, his first season and everyone at 0-5 and, and then 1-7, and, and he maintained this is what we do, this is who we are, it will come as long as we see progress. It wasn't resulting in wins early on in the season, but now it has to the point where, yeah, the Giants lead the NFC East, they're the four seed, but they're playing good football right now, and it's not like, well, someone's got to win that division. No, it's this Giants team right now, they're on a roll. They have the second longest current winning streak in the NFC. The Saints... I think of are at eight or nine in a row, but the second best are the New York Giants, or I should we say the New York football Giants, like Chris Berman always used to say and probably still does. Yeah, I'm sure if he called the office, that's what they would how they answer the New York football Giants. Um, they don't beat themselves. They play complimentary football. It, it, uh, the apple doesn't fall from the tree, and that's Bill Belichick. So um, – Again, they don't beat themselves, and, and they play all three facets, and, and they're a team that's only getting better. I mean, you could see it. Now, I, I have a lot of respect for Ron Rivera. Uh, that was a great win for him. He's gone through a lot this year, and he, he actually admitted when he got fired, within one week he met with Daniel Snyder, and that's when the process started. Um, I'm a big Ron Rivera fan uh, just from a, from a distance when he was in Carolina. But I'm going to make a claim right now. In the next couple of years, Joe Judge will be that best head coach in that division. Doug Peterson right now is going through a lot. Uh, Mike McCarthy, uh, I'm sure there are people questioning that hire. Obviously, you can't bring Aaron Rodgers. They've had a ton of injuries. And I don't want to say that right now because i got too much respect for Rivera. He's brought his team to the Super Bowl. He's been coach of the year. That's the biggest win in uh, this year. But I'm telling you, Joe Judge will be the best head coach in that division and it's only a matter of time. Well, Sunday's win at Seattle would have been the biggest win of week 13 if it wasn't for Ron Rivera and Washington beating the Steelers, which happened to be on a Tuesday. So it kind of got lost in the shuffle. But that was the biggest win of week 13. Second biggest was the Giants win in Seattle against the Seahawks. And those two NFC East teams that are peaking right now and it's where you want the Cardinals to be at right now the NFC West got off to a hot start everyone is starting to cool down every single team within the NFC West had its down period 49ers early in the season maybe they're coming back to another down point right now Seahawks midway through the point and they can credit the Cardinals for putting the first dent into that armor the Rams as well what we were talking about Oh, they can only beat teams in the NFC East. They haven't beaten anyone with a winning record. Well, now they lead the division. And then the Cardinals, after a hot start, they have cooled off. So it's the onus is on these teams and these coaches and these players to get that trajectory going back up. The roller coaster. All right, you've hit bottom. And perhaps, and hopefully this is rock bottom. You're at the bottom of the roller coaster. Now you got to make your way up. And hopefully you don't get to the top until the end of January, dare I say February, but right now just making sure 
that you're playing to the point where you can get into the postseason, and hopefully this season continues. I'm glad Justin Pugh used that word about ebb and flow because to me, it's it's really how teams play throughout the season, ebb and flow. Cardinals were obviously peaking, and then they had some lull, and now they're on a three-game losing streak where we don't see the same offense, but there's still four games to go here. I'm not panicking. They're not panicking. It's just a matter of, you know, uh, it sounds simple, but make some adjustments, you know, tw- tweak some things that you think can work because you don't want to ha- be sitting in your office in January saying we should have tried this. This is the time to do it. So, um, again, right now the only thing that's important is practice like you should the next three days, take the flight out there, go through your walkthrough on Saturday, and come back with a win. That's the only thing right now that, that you know, I'm not worried about next week and how many games they can win. You know, we talk about looking ahead because that's what we do in December, playing meaningful football, where they stand. Just win. Just win this week, and I think it will go a long way. Um, but there's a lot of negativity out there. I understand that. But, you know, Cliff and Kyler are so young. This is, this is not a finished product. Far from it. So they're growing, but there's going to be growing pains. On that negativity or the pressure on a quarterback, Kyla Murray, quote, I don't listen to outsiders. None of this affects me. I understand what is going to happen inside those lines. You prepare for the worst, but I'm not tripping over it, end quote. Cardinals quarterback, second-year quarterback, Kyla Murray. Well said. Third gang, if you enjoy Cardinals Cover 2, we invite you to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals Red Sea Reports, and, of course, here, Cardinals Cover 2. Go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Always interesting, MJ, the further removed you are from a game day Sunday and getting closer to the following week on how sometimes perspectives change and not that we have forgotten what has happened, but you get to Wednesday, which is quote unquote, the start of a new week in the NFL because you're on the practice field Wednesday, things go forward from there. But not that I would accept a three, nothing win because then we'd be talking about the offense still, but just come away with the win, get 20 points, get a couple of touchdowns, just make everyone feel good about the outcome and the performance And then we can focus on, well, what happened? And then how is this team getting better? Because these next two games, Giants and Eagles, you have to win these two games. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, and it all starts on Sunday against the New York football Giants. I I I mean, I care how it happens, but at the end of the day, it's all about the W. And we will continue to break down this week 14 matchup tomorrow. Hopefully, we will hear from Larry Fitzgerald. A little Fitz Friday on a Fitz Thursday. And, of course, we'll look at this Giants offense as how the Cardinals might be able to attack Daniel Jones should he play or if it will be Colt McCoy for the second straight week for the New York football Giants. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to the man behind the scenes working hard all the time, our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.